we go. Rejecting the screen. Noah Kozlov out here on the East Coast. Adam Stanko is out west. The episode brought to you by Built Bar. BuiltBar.com. $10 off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. We'll have Don McLean coming up later this week on the Going ISO edition. We go long form with anybody and everybody who's touched the NBA. And as it relates to Last Dance, we saw some footage from the Space Jam set. And Don McLean's mm-hmm. got some stories about playing on that Space Jam set. And it also <laughs> plays into just how vindictive Jordan is. Adam, I want to start here. And and look, th- these this episode, we record on Monday for Tuesday. And we put out episodes Tuesday and Thursday. So what we try to do is not go with the obvious. Because we assume yep. that that type of stuff will be covered by any number of the major NBA podcast out there. And they all do a really, really good job, especially the post-game show that they have here on Locked On NBA. So try to go below the surface. So last night it had me thinking, because of all the Scott Burrell stuff, I say last night, I just recorded this on Monday, watched it on, on Sunday night, is Jordan's PR pre-last dance was brilliant. Because all you heard, and I remember telling the story, before Last Dance came out was Jordan's concerned with how he looks by the way he treated guys, especially Scott Burrell. So it made us all think, all right, it's going to be ugly. We might not like Jordan anymore. When in fact, we all love him more than ever. And you can't find a single fault. And it has us all thinking, how could Jordan even think that we might not like him for it. We love him for this. It was PR brilliance. It, it really was. It was. It's funny. Early in the last dance, I forget what episode it was, but obviously it was it was Jordan and Scott Burrell on the team plane, and Burrell's talking about how he doesn't want his parents to to see the video at all, as as MJ's calling him an alcoholic, and it's it's fascinating, Noah, that we're seeing a human side to Jordan. We've heard these stories forever about how he treated teammates and he was ruthless and had this single minded focus. And it, it didn't allow him to connect with guys as much as it was push guys to try to reach Mm -hmm. some level. You know, the famous story from uh, Sam Smith's book, the, you know, Jordan rules when, B.J. Armstrong talked about joining the team and he got a book on geniuses because he wanted to know what it was going to be like because he couldn't understand. He couldn't get inside MJ's head and no one knew what it was like. to. And I think there's a human side to Jordan and we're actually seeing some footage of him getting on guys and riding guys. And it's almost like he's not this evil guy. I mean, he, he, he sort of explains why he was the way he was. And even more so, all of those teammates, every single one of them, has benefited greatly from playing with Michael Jordan. They have reaped the benefits in multiple ways. And I, I've said before, Scottie Pippen, I think, is, is the single player in NBA history who benefited more from another teammate playing alongside Michael Jordan than anyone else in history. And I think, I think when, you, when you look at that, that's one angle. But it's not just that. It's also financial, how well these guys are doing and how people are treating them now for the rest of their lives because they played with Michael Jordan. That was one of my other big takeaways. I had a few of them, and that was another one. So I remember asking Richard Jefferson on this podcast months ago, 
about where he fit in and how he felt about fitting into the LeBron economy. And it's not just when you're LeBron's teammate and you win a title. It's also about what happens when your career is over and how you are and how you are introduced. So for Richard Jefferson, for the rest of his life, he's being introduced as a guy who won a title with LeBron. NBA champion, Richard Jefferson. NBA champion, won a title with LeBron. So now for the rest of your career, you can be not only introduced as NBA champion, and that holds a certain cachet, you are now employed because you will be consistently called upon to answer questions about LeBron James. Yes. Same thing with all of these guys who play for the Bulls. It means a lot of money in your pocket post-career if you can be said as three-time NBA champion with the Chicago Bulls, fill in the blank. You played with Jordan. You know what this was like. So how do you think the guys are going through this now with LeBron? It, I mean, it extends far and wide. It, it really does. And I also will say, at a point that I wanted to bring up to you, we've talked a lot about, it's popped up in this documentary, we've talked a lot about legacies of guys who didn't win titles, and people have brought it up as media members. You think about all the guys during the Jordan era that didn't get a chance to get one. And we're going to learn more about that as we go through Reggie Miller for, for that particular season, and he thought he'd have one. How much that changed there their trajectories of you know what people have thought about Reggie Miller's career legacy compared to let's say Pippen or what have you, mm-hmm. but and we you know there's so many Carl Malone, John Stockton, Clyde Drexler, right? You go down the list of guys that that um, had to go through MJ and weren't able to do it. And an interesting name popped up to me as I thought about it: Danny Ainge. Hmm. Danny Ainge played for the Blazers when they faced the Bulls in the NBA Finals played for the Suns when they played the Bulls in the NBA Finals. And of course, he's got his two titles with the Celtics, which leads me to believe we think about Robert Ory, who never made an all-star game. And there's talk recently about Andre Iguodala, those guys with their championship rings and all that as being Hall of Famers, all this. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is Danny Ainge was a star player for the Boston Celtics when they had their run, wasn't one of the key guys, but he was a star player, you can say, right? Fourth best player on the team. Would You can make that argument. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call him star. Starter. I wouldn't call him star. I wouldn't call him star player, but a vital component, sure. Vital component. Starter on, on those teams. Mm-hmm. Critical piece. So my thing is, if Danny Ainge wins titles with the Blazers and the Suns, we think about him entirely differently. He could have won titles with three teams, and he didn't because of MJ. And I just found that. That popped up recently. My brother had sent me a text and went, oh, I didn't realize Danny Ainge played for the Suns. And like, meanwhile, obviously, it's something you and I know. But, but then it was, wow, yeah, he did. And he played for the Blazers during that period. I just think we would think of Danny Ainge so differently in his career if he had four titles with mm-hmm. three different – and, of course, there's a million oh, yeah. what-ifs in the NBA. But that, I think, just one of them that popped up to me through this documentary. I mean, I, I, I think about Danny Ainge differently now just because he was playing golf with Jordan <laughs> during the NBA Finals. We've got to get him on to ask him about that. Right, during, that during. And actually, I thought of Ainge this week. Quick side note, Bleacher Report, out, Bleacher Report had put out like the, look at these two sports stars, and they had four, it was on, on Twitter, and they had a four box, and they had 
Jordan, Bo Jackson. I think they had Jordan, Bo Jackson, Dion, maybe Dion. I don't know even if they Dion. Maybe it's Dion. Dion. And, and, and Kyler Murray. You're like, what? Well, <laughs> Danny Ainge was all oh. world in three sports. All yes. world. Or like, how about Dave Winfield? Or All right. It, I know it doesn't fit into Bleacher Report's audience. So when it doesn't fit into the audience, how about you just call it quits? Okay, yes. sit this one out. Yes, it's that's hysterical to me. I mean, the it's funny you bring that up because I actually there's a a baseball story for me. I went to a spring training game. We were covering the Giants spring training in Arizona. I was working for Comcast Sportsnet at the time, and we we covered this in the mid two thousands. So we're there watching batting practice, watching Barry Bonds take batting practice. And who walks out but Steve Nash hmm. in full like Giants gear and stuff, taking batting practice because Steve Nash was college basketball teammates with Randy Wynn. And Randy Wynn was outfielder for the Giants. So he invited Nash to come. And at, this is like Nash's heyday. He's in the midst of just killing it in the NBA, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, Nash gets up. And it's Barry Bonds, who's on top of the baseball world, Steve Nash, who's on top of the basketball world, alternating, taking batting practice back and forth. But it just goes to show, like a guy like Randy Wynn, who we don't even think about, like played college basketball and also played, you know, in the majors and stuff and was Steve Nash's teammate. Or Kenny Lofton played at Arizona and became a big star baseball player as well for the Indians. So enough with that bleacher report. (laughs) Speaking of baseball. Why double-A baseball is even harder than most would think. Plus, speaking of throwing things, how about Scotty Pippen tossing the chair in a clip that was about half a second? So what was his punishment? So, Noah, before we get back to the rest of the show, we've talked about Bilt Bar in the past, and you mentioned them off the top. They sponsor this program, Rejecting the Screen. They are the best tasting protein bar ever and you don't even have to ask me come to my house ask my kids ask my wife we had a box of these things that went so quick whether it was peanut butter or mint chocolate these things are unbelievable and the kids couldn't get over how great they tasted and that's they've got 16 amazing flavors right eight chocolate nut flavors eight chocolate nut free flavors but these bars are covered 100 chocolate they're really easy to chew but here's the thing. They're healthy. It's not like Cliff Bars or these other protein bars, which mask themselves as being healthy for you. And then they have tons of sugar. No, we're talking about peanut butter brownie, for instance, 20 grams of protein, three grams of sugar. Mint brownie, the one that I love, mm-hmm. 15 grams of protein, four grams of sugar. That's it. So it feels yeah, and, like and it tastes like a candy, a candy bar. bar. It does. Yeah, it awesome. tastes like a candy bar. It's the best. Right now, you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, one word, LOCKEDON. you get $10 off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, $10 off, BuiltBar.com. So my first job out of college was in Reading, Pennsylvania, doing play-by-play for the Reading Phillies. I moved there a week after college in 04 and was there for two seasons. And AA baseball is high-level baseball. I asked players in the minors who, you know, looking back on it, all 
so many of them became big leaguers. Dustin Pejoria, Jonathan Papelbon, John Lester in the Red Sox organization, Carlos Ruiz, Ryan Howard in the Phillies organization, Michael Bourne as well, Curtis Granderson, Francisco Liriano saw so many future stars in the bigs. So what's the, what is the biggest jump in the minors? And they all said, oh, A ball to double A. And all the hitters said that. And then pitchers would say it too, because hitters have more of an idea of what they're doing at the plate. But all the hitters said that that's the biggest jump because pitchers know what they're doing in double A. To get the double A is a much bigger leap in your baseball career than to get to triple A. Triple A now is for, for really for a lot of guys become a holding ground. Like Chase Utley, for example, we know Chase from being in Philadelphia. Chase skipped double A and went to triple A and went to the, and then went to the majors. A lot of guys now are skipping triple A and going right from double A. So, because if you can succeed at the double A level, then you can play in the major league. So I think it just adds a little bit of context to the, level of difficulty and professional players that Michael Jordan was going up against in double-A baseball. Do you, what, based upon the people you've talked to and what you know about it, what do you think his future would have been, assuming he just stuck with, with the game? I mean, I got to think that he would have figured out how to hit a breaking ball. Yeah. Right? I mean, it seems to indicate that he was, he was, he was figuring it out. And, and Terry Francona doesn't pull punches, and he – was pretty honest about how this guy works so hard. Everyone talked about his work ethic, which of course was going to be that way. You there just is, have to figure he's going to figure it out. Damn it. Now there's a story that I remember that I don't remember all the details of about Jordan and Francona like betting. Ah, Jordan like bet him 10 grand about for something that he would do in the second half of a game when he got back into the NBA when Francona was then a manager. Ah, now I'm really? drawing a, now I'm drawing a blank. Oh, like that's Francona, a good tease. Maybe we'll like have to Francona bring it up. Francona came later back episode. and saw him at halftime of a game. Mm. I and and if we're gonna bring up half stories, was was it on this podcast that we talked <laughs> about? Was it on this podcast that we talked about that Jordan was with Francona? They were like watching the. I know Jordan was watching when Pippen didn't come into the game and Kukoc took the shot, and and Jordan had said right before that. This ball is going to go to Kukoc and he's going to hit the shot. Like, I know that he was like playing baseball at that time, keeping tabs on it. And mm-hmm. he has, people had said he like called it. He was like, this is going to Kukoc. He's going to hit it. So, not sure. We can get more on that, the Pippen angle on that in a minute. But an interesting baseball note about Jordan playing baseball. So, in the Phil Jackson book that I read, Phil Jackson talks about that discussion that they went on. They, 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 they talked about a little bit on the last dance. This idea that Phil Jackson and Reinsdorf both talked to Jordan about him stepping away and then whatever his his post-retirement career was going to be. And Phil Jackson mentioned how he said to Jordan, hey, you have this gift. You owe it to people. Well, really, the quote was, you know, you have you have a gift from God, so you should be using that. MJ responded to him by saying, for some reason, God is telling me to move on. But then Phil tried to get Jordan to play in the playoffs that year. So he would have played minor league baseball. So we're talking again, 93-94 season, coming Mm -hmm. off the 93 finals win against the the Suns. He would have played baseball. And then Phil's idea 
which he was down for. He suggested it. Hey, what if you come back just for the playoffs? Don't play during the regular season. Now, there's some logistical issues, I'm sure, contractually, whatever. We'd have to look into what that would mean. But I am curious to think, like, that's the what if that never gets brought up. We always think about, well, what if Michael doesn't go play baseball at all? And then he has those two years. If he wins titles in both those years, then does he have eight? And, and, but is his drive still there? So does he get the three on the back end, all that? But I'm now curious, Noah, what does it look like if Jordan just plays in the playoffs in 1994 after playing minor league baseball all season long? Right. I mean, I got to imagine if he's been playing minor league baseball that whole season and not getting up shots and doing his NBA workouts, then the result likely would have been the same. That they're not winning, that they're not winning a title. The only thing is to, to keep in mind is that that 93, 94 team was still gelling and really good, obviously. Like they were mm-hmm. on a roll. So you also have to factor that in. 94, 95, the team was sort of lackluster, struggling, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. sputtering along. Whereas if you think about it, 93, right, 94, 93, 94, yeah. You know, they're still jamming along. I don't know. I mean, it's like all of a sudden you take a good team that's in the playoffs and you add a rusty Michael Jordan in his prime. I just still have to wonder, what does that look right, like? Right, but right, sure. Still in his in his age basketball prime, but what would the basketball layoff and the non-basketball workouts have done for his game and then yep. the chemistry that the Bulls had, what type of role would Jordan have taken? It is. It's a, it's a great what if. It's a great what if. Thanks. You brought, it, you brought up Pippen before. The, the thing that really, st- that, you know, I said top few handful of things really stood out. My, bit, my huge takeaway from Pippen was him saying that he would have done it again, that he wouldn't change anything. <laughs> from sit, from sitting out when he said with 1.2 that I'm, I'm not I'm out that so he and, and then no so, you know he wishes it didn't it, he wishes it didn't happen but he'd still do it again that that means you don't wish it didn't happen exactly you can't you can't made say no those things. made no sense then he's crying in the locker room as Bill Cartwright is shedding tears giving his impassioned speech post game that we heard about. But Pippen said, I wouldn't change anything. That means he would do it again. That, to me, is damning and would make me want nothing to do with Scotty Pippen. What Scotty Pippen did, walking away and not entering a game, a playoff game, in which it's critical, he's determining the outcome of the game potentially by not participating. He decides not to play. A hundred times worse to me than what Isaiah Thomas did when he was part of a Pistons totally team that walked off the floor. Totally and agree. So that was a lack of sportsmanship. But the other part is a lack of gamesmanship. And mm-hmm. that stuff, that is breaking Cardinals. That is a Cardinal sin. I'm, you can disagree if a guy refused to shake your hand. And I think it's terrible taste. And if, if when I'm coaching kids and I always tell them, you better shake everyone's hand and you tell them all a good game. Like you need to instill that at a young age. Like I believe in that ethically. But when you don't participate in a game, you're letting your teammates down. And it's it's brutal. And 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 the the backstory too is that Pippen was given a shot, is what Phil says. Like, hey, I gave him an opportunity, and then basically said to him, Hey, we gave you a shot. Now this is let Kukoc do it. And Pippen's like, No, screw that. And Pippen has said later, Well, I wasn't as mad because I wasn't involved 
as the play being called for me, but I, I wasn't even being used as a decoy. He wasn't like a second option on the play. It's like, so the defense would have been drawn to you anyway on that mm-hmm. side, sideline out of bounds play. And, but you make the ultimate point. And this is sort of the difference. And even Isaiah said it like, wow, if I thought the backlash was going to be like this for what I did, like I, yeah, we would have sh- shaken their hands, like whatever. But Pippen's refusal to do that. And then still says like, no, I still would have done it the same way. What? How could you say that? How and could also, you say that? And also, Adam, so I flash back to an earlier episode for from 92 in the Dream Team when Pippen and Jordan were saying, this guy can't even play in the NBA, talking about Coach, And then yes. it's Coach That was just two years earlier saying, guy can't play, guy can't play in the NBA. And now Pippen's refusing to go in and this guy's hitting the game winner. Having metal, having some sense of resiliency, some resolve, like we we didn't see any of that from, and that that's what that symbolized. And I know everyone talked about, oh, they knew this was going to crush Pippen later. Guess what? It should. If Isaiah's still got to pay for his sins from, you know, thirty years ago, then then so does uh, so does Pippen. Sorry. Mm-hmm. All right, coming up. So we saw once again. Jordan smoking cigars in the locker room. And that, and that made me think. It made me think. So there's Michael Jordan, the greatest athlete in the world, the greatest basketball player who's ever lived, just smokes and cigars. As we've talked about plenty of times before, how this guy even breathes is remarkable. And the difference between today's locker room, mm. we'll explain that in just a bit. I don't use the word life hack very often because oftentimes I find like technology ends up making things more complicated, but Blinkist is one of the ultimate life hacks. And even right now when there's seemingly a lot of time, but as Adam and I have talked about before on the podcast, yeah, there's, there's a lot of time if you don't have kids at home and you're trying to educate them. Sure. Yeah. So when you don't have the free time, you can't read. And then by the time, that, you know, coming to the end of the night, you want to spend time with your significant other, wife, husband, whatever it is. And you just, you simply just don't have time to read. So Blinkist is, is really unique because it works on your phone, tablet, computers, and it takes the best key takeaways, all that need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books. And then mm. it breaks it down. It condenses them into just 15 minutes that you can listen to. I, I've, do it when I've worked out. I've done it while traveling. Whenever games come back and I can call games again, I'm be using Blinkist again. And right now in, in the queue, I have the Secrets of Power Negotiating by Roger Dawson. So it's not just how things will help me in just doing this podcast, but it's all walks of life. You can get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want all for one low price. Right now, limited time Blinkist special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash NBA, try it free for seven days and get 25% off your new subscription. So Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA. Start your free seven-day trial and you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. Jordan smoking cigars in the locker room. Made me think, hold up, hold up. So now the guys in the locker room are most concerned with, 
oh, is that organic peanut butter? <laughs> like you've got the, you, I was, I went, I immediately started thinking about Baxter Holmes piece on ESPN.com, ESPN magazine about the peanut butter and jelly in the NBA. And uh, every locker room, everyone's so specific and health conscious and this and that. And there's the greatest player who's ever played just smoking cigars before a game. While today's player is like, um, hmm, you know, I would really, I'd really prefer the, <laughs> the hand grinded almond butter and oh, grape jelly. Ooh, no, that's mm, too much sugar. Um, <laughs> that's, 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 what, that's what made me think, that's right? That's, that's, that's what that made me think about. And before, and before and we were talking about Scotty Pippen, one of the things that got, that was like that half second clip was the throwing of the chair. Mm-hmm. So I just looked up real quick, like what, what was the penalty for that back then? So he got, so he'd gotten ejected already. So that's a thousand dollars. And then mm-hmm. he got a one game suspension. So that gave up $26,000 because of the, because that was his, that was his game yeah. salary. And I was mm-hmm. reading from the, uh, I was reading from the AP story that Phil Jackson said, all that aside, because he said he didn't know if the technical was justified. He said, all that aside, ball players in this league need to be able to control themselves. If he had just left the floor, nothing would have come of it. But it was just one incident. It happened. Those are the things that the league has to curtail. It was justified from that standpoint. Moves on to Pippen has struggled to handle the leadership role he assumed after Michael Jordan's retirement, feuding openly with team management. Since November 12th, Pippen has picked up 12 technical fouls, been ejected twice, accused general manager Jerry Krause of being, quote, a liar, asked to be traded, and described his relationship with Krause as, quote, beyond hate. Twelve technicals. Yeah. Twelve technicals. So that was what's going on with Pippen. I mean, I'm telling you, look, I I mentioned it earlier, I don't think any player in in NBA history has benefited more from another teammate than, than Pippen did with Jordan. I also think... History has treated Scottie Pippen so kindly. Like we, after that run with Jordan, we then, and then he had success. He had a great season, great season in the year you're talking about when, when MJ left. And we don't think about 12 technicals. We don't talk about, oh, there were leadership issues there. Everybody talks about Pippen was a nice guy. His teammates really liked him, which that stuff is true. But he had a great season that year, and that like saved his whole legacy. Everyone's like, "Oh, see, he didn't need Michael that year." By the way, he didn't even finish. He didn't even finish the top two of MVP that year, so he never did. By the way, if you want, if you're scoring at home, I just think Pippen's legacy has been has been treated. He has been treated so kindly by history. I agree because I he's agree. got the titles, right? Because he willingly took the backseat to Jordan. Yeah. He took he he did everything right. And then by the way, it was after his run. And and we sort of all that were there remember where Pippen's place was in the league at the time. But since he retired, it, the league has sort of shifted and it became this whole thing for how many rings do you have? Should Robert Ory be a Hall of Famer? Yeah, when right. the league started to shift all that thinking, You're like right. all of a sudden it was, oh wait, Scottie Pippen was one of the greatest players ever. Like, no, he wasn't. He was a great player. And he was valuable, and he was an amazing piece side-by-side with Jordan, and what they did defensively was incredible. And and Pippen was, in a lot of ways, revolutionary. They let him bring the ball up the floor as a forward. There was a bunch of stuff that he was great with, and he should be in the Hall of Fame, all of that. But 
I don't know. There are so many guys that he wasn't on the level of that I think have been shortchanged because of their total titles, and he benefited because he got a bunch of titles playing with MJ. All right, so I think I think in the doc, the I'm I I want to throw cold water on Jordan here, and and it's not to downplay his greatness at all, but it's very easy to say, like during with the back and forth with BJ Armstrong, okay, for him to say, so then I I killed BJ. I mean, killed killed him? I don't know. I mean, he went 9 for 20, had 27. Then he went 14 for 31 at 31. Then he went 15 for 29 and had 33. Like, that. those are like average Jordan games. He didn't, he didn't kill him. And then with the Sonics in, in 96, hell, he laughed at, he laughed at Gary Payton. He was like, yeah, he didn't. He didn't. Game four, Jordan went six for 19. And game six, I understand on Father's Day that he's playing with the heavy heart, understandably so, but he went five for 19. <laughs> so, yeah, sure. Like, it's it's fun and entertaining to watch Jordan laugh at Gary Payton. Like, yeah, Gary, he didn't, he didn't mean anything to me. But Gary Payton certainly affected Michael Jordan. Of course. And that's okay. And that's okay. But it's very easy in this situation to just get swept up in the aura that Michael Jordan has built and forget about the facts. Yes. Yes. And by the way, no, I went back and was watching some of my my final note on all this. I was watching some of that Sonics series. And it's remarkable. I mean, we all remember Sean Kemp, what he did in terms of his dunks and one of the best in-game dunkers of all time and spectacular. The Rain Man was so much fun and him and GP were incredible. But what's wild is like Kemp's potential was just insane. Like watching it again, like he would bring the ball up the floor for them in a lot of situations because guys wanted to take Peyton out of the game and pressure him on offense so that he wouldn't be as effective defensively and all this. Sean Kemp, uh, young Sean Kemp was on another planet, man. It was incredible. He was killing that Bulls front line at times that had Pippen and Rodman. Like, nobody could stop him. It was, that was wild. That was wild. All right, so if you want more Jordan stories, it's a great one on the Space Jam hoops with Don McClain coming up, the Pac-12's all-time leading scorer. Not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Tom mm. McLean at UCLA. That's coming up on Thursday in the Going ISO edition of Rejecting the Screen. You can follow Adam on Twitter at NaismithLives. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V, at Rejecting underscore the underscore screen on Instagram. Adam posted this week. All right. Nice work. All right. I have not. But I had let's follow. Let's get people to follow that. that. Let's, let's try following or let us know what it would take for you to follow. You can reach out to us on, Insta- on Twitter. And mm-hmm. tell us what it would take for, for you to follow us on Instagram. We'll take that, too. And all sorts of theme weeks going on across Locked On. So check out Locked On NBA and Locked On Fantasy Hoops with Josh Lloyd, Hollinger, and Duncan. John Hollinger and Nate Duncan every Monday. They've been doing overrated, underrated players. That's been fun. And also Chad Ford's big board. Now, I've heard that the draft is definitely getting moved back. It's just a matter of when. hmm Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I still can't believe we are two months into this and there's still the same amount of uncertainty as there was yeah. two months ago. It's, 
day to day, it's tough to come to grips with this, but we hope that here at Rejecting the Screen, we're helping you through it. And also make sure you check out BuiltBar.com, those great tasting protein bars, very low sugar, tastes like candy bars, BuiltBar.com. You can also get a mix box, which is nice. You can try a bunch of everything. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. Adam, thanks, pal. Happy Mother's Day to Marissa, by the way. How about that? Oh, did I miss now, it? Are you, wait, are you now going to make me say, oh, and send Kate my best? Because you know yeah, what? Please. By, by, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. By now you saying this on the podcast makes you look like a hero when in fact I was the one who texted you on Mother's Day to pass along my best to Kate. So, so what are you trying to do here? You trying to make yourself look like a hero in front of everybody? What are you trying to do? It's all about legacy, bro. It's all about legacy, and I'm concerned about mine. So, <laughs> right, I'm already right. in the doghouse at home. So, I figure, I figure, I can at least, you know, maybe Marissa hears this because, wow, he's a really good guy that he that he did that on the podcast, and then and then just to hear you sheepishly say no, but I, I texted him day of and his wife and. Yeah. So just just tell me I'm the best and we can get out of here. You are the best.